0: I know your worship order says that Jeff is to be here in my place today, but I am here in his place. In case you're visiting with us, Jeff is our regular preacher. I am one of our irregular preachers who fill in for him when he has to be away. Joshua Fry and I are going to deliver a message from God's Word today. Joshua is going to be running the slides Which means I don't have a clicker. I don't know how Jeff and Steve, who by the way, taught a fantastic class this morning. In case you were here at 9 o'clock on marriage. It was wonderful. Fantastic class. But I don't know how these guys manage a clicker in one hand and speaking at the same time. I never have been a very good multitasker. So I've asked Joshua... ...to advance the slides for me, which means that today he's going to have to pay attention to what the (laughs) preacher says. But we are delivering the message today, and I pray that God will open our hearts so that we will be receptive to what he wants us to hear. And I'm going to speak from Luke chapter 6. In case you want to go there in your own Bible, that would be fine. Luke chapter 6. You know, the bulk of this chapter is what commentators call our Lord's Sermon on the Plain. They call it that because in verse 17, the text says that Jesus came down to a level place. And there he taught his disciples. Now, this sermon, you will notice, has a lot in common with his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. I don't know if this sermon in Luke 6... Is that an abridgment of that sermon? Or if Jesus just liked to talk about familiar themes? At any rate, we're going to look at the conclusion to that sermon on the plain in Luke chapter 6. And again, I know that you'll be interested in hearing these words. Because we are all followers of Jesus. And what He's going to share with us here are His words, His teachings, not mine. And so I know you have a special interest in hearing what he has to say. I want to read for you now the conclusion to this sermon in Luke 6, beginning in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts upon them. That one is like a man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, the river burst against that house, but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, immediately it fell And great was the ruin of that house. I know that you recognize that this text is a call to obey. Jesus is very direct here with his disciples and he's direct with us. It's a clear call to obey. Now, I don't know how you feel about that. Because I think it may be possible that we are living in a time when A call to obey anyone is out of season. I am rereading a book called The Art of Preaching in the 20th Century. I know that we're living in the 21st century. But that book that was written in 1982 still has a lot of relevance today. And in the opening chapter of that book, John Stott writes that one of the reasons why he feels preaching is out of season today is because there is a great anti-authority mood in the world. and I suspect he's right about that. And I suspect that could be characteristic of our day today. People seem to have an anti-authority mood against the government, against the church, against the law, against the police, against anyone, teachers in the school system, principals, anyone who put themselves up as an authority. There's an anti-authority mood. And also, it may be that preaching on the need for obedience is out of season because maybe a lot of us just don't like people telling us how to live or what to do. Am I the only one that I'm talking about now? Or would that describe some of you? I just don't like being told what to do. Now, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying it's true. Becky and I were in Atlanta, Georgia a few days ago. We were staying in a motel, one of those motels that provides breakfast in the morning. So we went to breakfast and I went to breakfast. And I reached inside this plexiglass container to get an English muffin. I reached in there with my fingers to get it. And the man who was standing next to me said, the tongs are over there. You might want to use them. And I bristled. (laughs) I probably should not have bristled, but I bristled. Who does this guy think he is to tell me to use tongs to pull the English muffin out of that container? Is what I thought. Probably shouldn't have thought it. I don't like people telling me what to do so much. I preached this sermon last Sunday, by the way. I hope you're not offended. I used this very illustration... I preach this sermon today because it's fresh on my mind and it's something I think we all need to hear, all of God's family. But after I preached this sermon last Sunday, a man came to me after church and he said, let me let me get you to think about something. If you reach in there and touch only one English muffin, you're not spreading germs to the other bread or pastries in that container. But hundreds of people have touched those tongs that you're about to use. (laughs) I said, that's right. That's exactly right. What is it? There's something in us. Maybe it's our fleshly nature. We just don't like people telling us what to do. We Maybe we want to feel independent. Maybe we don't want people to take that role of authority over us. We just don't like people telling us what to do. And if we're not careful, that can bleed over into our religious life. So that we hesitate to even let Jesus, our Lord, tell us what to do, Right? I think also we might be slow to hear a message on obedience because we fear that if we stress obedience, we'll be branded as legalists. Now we may not know what that word means, but we know enough to know that we don't want to be labeled as legalists. How far have we strayed from the apostles' teachings? I'm thinking of two five nines in the scripture. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. Jesus has become the source of salvation to all those who obey him. Obedience is important. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9 where Paul says, We make it our aim to please him. That is the aim of every follower of Jesus. Hey, we're not legalists because we try to strictly adhere to the commands of Jesus or to the law of the new covenant. That doesn't make us legalists. A legalist is someone who thinks that by obeying the law, he will somehow earn or deserve his salvation. That is legalism. We need to stress the importance of obeying our Lord's commands. doesn't make us legalists. It just makes us disciples of his who are doing our best to try to follow him as he wants us to follow. So this text is a call to obey and I hope it doesn't offend you. That that's what our Lord wants us to do today. But I do want to answer the question, why is it important for us to obey Jesus' words? That's the principal question I'd like for us to discuss. We love Jesus and that's why we want to obey Him. Because we love Him, as the scripture says. But why is it important for us to obey Him? Now just here... I want us to think about the question that Jesus does ask in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? It doesn't make sense. Why should we obey Jesus? Why should we obey His words? And I noticed the slide that He has just put up, Joshua. No, you better back it up one more to the teenager. I changed that slide this morning. About 5.30 or so. And now as I read that slide... I. I regret that I changed it. I added that sentence at the top. The teenager inside of us may ask why. And I realize now that may offend some of, some of our teenagers. And I'm sorry about that. Actually, why is a very good question. Why do we do anything? What is our rationale? But you see, teenagers have the reputation of asking the question why in a certain tone of voice. And there's nothing wrong with you asking when your father says to you, for example, I don't want you to go with those young people. If you were to ask the question, now, why, Dad, do you not want me to associate with those people? What is your rationale? And Dad calmly says, because I'm afraid they might be a bad influence upon you. They might take you places where I don't want you to go. Places where it's not going to serve your health, both physical and spiritual. That's why. Why? But oftentimes when a teenager asks the word why, I don't want you to go with those people. Why, Dad? Why, don't, why, why are you saying, why this rule? Rules, rules, rules. Well, see, I'm, I'm embellishing now and I'm sorry about that teenager. So I regret that I put that sentence in that slide. I remember a time when our oldest son, Kyle, was a teenager and we... Told him we wanted him to do several things that day that were chores. And I will never ever forget what his response was to us. Well, just throw a saddle on me and call me a pack mule. That's what he said, and his tone of voice was not nearly as gentle and kind as mine was just then. Why is a good question? Let's ask that question. Why should we heed Jesus' call? to obey his words, number one, because he teaches us that it's the foundation of every successful life. Now we're in Luke chapter six and the story of the two builders. Everyone who hears my word and acts upon them will be like this man who built his house on rock. And when the storms came, his house stood because it was well built and it was on a solid foundation. But oh, the man who built his house without a foundation on the ground, when the storms came and the river rose, that house was washed away and great was the ruin of that house. Of course, Jesus is not talking about how to build a house. He's talking about how to build a life. Life builders is what he has in mind. Now, the one word that Luke uses here that Matthew does not use in his conclusion is the word foundation. Foundation. And what, according to Luke chapter 6, is the foundation of a successful life? It is hearing and acting upon the words of Jesus. Now, you say, well, Carrie... I know a lot of people out there in the world who don't believe in Jesus, who don't believe in God, and they still are successful. And I would say, no, you don't. You don't know anyone who's successful, who doesn't listen to and practice the words of Jesus. It may appear that they are successful. They may make a lot of money. They may live in a nice house. They may have the respect of their peers and their colleagues, but they are not successful. Because when the storms of life come into their life, and they surely will, no one is exempt. Their lives are going to come crashing down. And when death comes, they will learn, unfortunately, that they weren't such a success that they thought they were. The only successful life is the life of the person who listens to and acts upon the words of Jesus. That's what Jesus says here. But another reason why we should obey the words of Jesus is because if we don't, we're only paying him lip service. And that's what he says in verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you to do? I mean, lordship assumes obedience. A lord is a master, a commander, someone who gives orders, someone who tells us what to do. And what sense does it make to call someone a master if we're not going to do what he tells us to do? Jesus says it doesn't make any sense. And I wonder just here how you would answer that question. I mean, that's a good question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and don't do what I tell you to do? I imagine that Jesus looked out over the crowd of His disciples and He saw people who were enamored with His teachings and people who loved to see Him perform miracles but who had no intention of putting into practice what they had just heard. And so He is preempting them. He is saying, now don't you leave here without the intention to obey what I'm telling you. Please don't walk away from me without intending to practice the words that I've given to you. He knew that there would be that temptation to listen and to appreciate, but to not put into practice. And so he preempts them by saying, why would you call me, Lord, if you're not going to do what I say? And I wonder, I wonder why someone would do that. Why would someone call Jesus Lord but not obey Him? Is it because they think that calling Him Lord and acknowledging Him as such is a substitute for obeying Him? Surely not. Is it because they think it's too hard to obey Him? Is it because they're too selfish? They want to call their own shots? I don't know. But Jesus says it just doesn't make sense for you. To pay lip service to me. Now right here we need to pause and remember what a danger it is to call Jesus Lord and not put into practice what his teachings are. And I'm going to go back to Matthew chapter 7 for this and Matthew's account of the conclusion in verse 21 where Jesus says, Not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven on that day, many will say to me, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. doers." You see, we read the abridgment in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46 and we're not so alarmed. But when we read the fuller account of what Jesus said in Matthew seven twenty-one, we see the danger of thinking that we are all right with God if we just know that Jesus is Lord and we call Him as such, but we don't practice what He told us to do. It's dangerous to pay lip service to Jesus and not follow through on His teachings. But there's a third reason why we obey the, the words of Jesus. And it's not even found here in this text. It's an add-on. And that is because He deserves to be our Lord. He has earned that title. He has earned our respect. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2 says that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That means that He is the sacrifice that allows God to forgive us of all of our sins... To erase all of our misdeeds, what a wonderful thing that Jesus, by giving his life, allowed us to have peace with him and peace with God. First John chapter three and verse sixteen tells us that Jesus laid down his life for us. How many people have laid, their, laid down their lives for you? I mean, how many people have loved you enough that when push came to shove They were willing to die in your place. Jesus is one of those people. He died for us. And 1 John chapter 4 and verse 9 tells us that by dying for us, he gave us life. An abundant life. And so I'm telling you that Jesus deserves to be called our Lord. And he deserves every ounce of obedience that we can possibly muster. He deserves it. And that's why we should obey Jesus' words. Well, I've been studying through the letter of James for the last several months. You know, James is a very practical letter. This is the letter that says, "Do not be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word." James: 122. This is the letter that tells us what Christian living is all about. It's very practical. Well, I went through the book of James. And I want to make a list of everything that James tells us to do in his letter. And by the way, if a writer of the New Testament tells us to do something, it's Jesus telling us to do something. Jesus said, I think it's in John chapter 14, maybe it's in 15 or 16, not sure. I can't tell you everything you need to know right now, but I'm going to send the Spirit of truth who will lead you into all the truth. His apostles are led into all the truth. And when those apostles and when those writers of the New Testament speak, they are the ambassadors of Jesus himself. And when they speak, it's Jesus speaking to us. So I went through the book of James and I made a list of everything that James asked of me as I read through that letter. And I was alarmed at everything to be found there. It was a reality check, if you please, for me. Carrie, how well do you obey Jesus? How well do you obey Scripture? Do you rejoice in your trials? Do you pray for wisdom? Do you care for the widows and the orphans and those in need? That's just chapter 1. Do you demonstrate your faith by works? Do you show respect for everyone? The rich and the poor? The educated and the uneducated? The young and the older? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Do you handle conflict in healthy ways? That's just chapter 2. Do you control your tongue? Do you include God in your plans? Do you pray for your brothers and sisters? Do you try to reach out to those who've wandered away from the truth? Are you patient in suffering? So many instructions in the book of James. And I got to the end of that letter and I thought, you know, I don't obey the Lord as well as I need to. I look at that list and I, I'm tempted to think, I can't do all that, Lord. I mean, you're calling for a level of obedience that I can't muster. But then I remind myself that one of the job descriptions of the Holy Spirit is to sanctify God's children. It's His responsibility to cultivate His fruit in us, to make us holy. So if I yield myself to His efforts, I'll be okay. But am I trying to obey? Am I really making an effort to obey? Maybe this would be a reality check for you. How well are you obeying the words of Jesus? Here's how I want us to respond to this message. I'll just be blunt and direct with you, clear. It would be wonderful if each one of us would respond to this message in this way. If we would renew our commitment to obey the words of Jesus. Because I think it's entirely possible that once upon a time, years and years ago, we decided to become followers of Jesus and to obey His every word, but over the years, over the time, we have, we have let that commitment slip just a little bit. We read scripture, we enjoy it, we hear sermons, we enjoy them, but are we putting the words of Jesus into practice? We need to renew our commitment to obey Jesus. I believe each one of us needs to make that renewal. That's how I want you to respond to this message. In your own heart and in your own life, I would like to see you just make a pact with you and your Lord. I'm going to try to do better. I'm going to try to renew my commitment to practice your teachings. Now, you can make that commitment right where you are. Sitting right where you are. Standing right where you are. Just between you and the Lord. But I'm going to ask you something special today. Today I'm going to make a commitment to renew my commitment. To obey Jesus' words. When I come across a teaching of Jesus or one of His ambassadors. I'm going to take it seriously. I'm going to try to obey it. And I'm wondering if there are people here. You. Today. I'm wondering if there are those of you who would stand with me in making that kind of commitment. I'm wondering if you need to go public with it. If you need to tell this congregation of your family, your brothers and sisters, I want to renew my commitment to obey Jesus. I've let it slip in my life. I know better. I'm going to ask for the Lord's forgiveness, but today I'm going to say before all of you, I'm going to state before all of you, my intention is to obey Jesus, to make an effort to try. And so I'm going to ask you who are willing to come up here and stand with me. And we're not going to call your name. And we're not going to judge anyone who stays in their seat or stands up. Between They can, they can make the commitment to the Lord without coming here. But if you're willing to come and stand with me and say, yes, I'm going to renew comm- my commitment. I want to welcome you to come and stand with me. And together we're going to make that bold declaration. And we're all going to stand and sing the song that Jason has prepared for us. Thank you, brothers. Thank you for coming up here and standing with me. We're going to renew our commitment to obey the Lord right here. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you.